Hi, I'm Owen from Bite Size Irish Gaelic, and welcome to episode 44, Iver a Dahadzakahar, of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. Even if you're alone, learning to speak Irish outside of Ireland, don't despair. Rest assured that there are thousands like you across the globe, all interested in tapping into Ireland's native culture. And for all about this podcast, just go to www.bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Dave Hogan from Dove Chauffeur Drive. Dave, good morning. How's it going? Good morning, Owen. How are you? I'm very, very well. Yeah, it's a lovely morning here in Ireland. Whereabouts in Ireland are you based, Dave? I'm based in the Galway region. in a little town outside Galway called Kinvara. Even mm. though I was born and reared in Galway City, uh, a number of years ago I moved out to Kinvara, which is just an, a lovely rural area uh, with a lovely little harbour and a, a beautiful castle as well. Yeah, um, is it, it must be an old castle, is it? I've seen it in Kinvara, but I've no story behind it. I wonder how old it is. It still goes back, they reckon you're talking way back to the 60s seventh century maybe even that there was a castle there you know the present castle of course wouldn't be anywhere anywhere near that age you know but it's a beautiful castle uh it's a very very much photographed castle it's one that you'll see in many many tourist magazines and all it's called dune gira being a fort and gira was the name of the occupant gira was the, the chieftain if you like oh excellent yeah it's lovely a, Something it's it's in the Bonratti Castle medieval uh, castle group where they hold the uh, banquets during the season and all mm. the medieval. So it's um it's a special castle in that respect. Excellent, and Dave, you're quite the experts um of uh, bringing people around Ireland, pretty much, isn't it? You, you drive people well, around. I I started my touring in uh, 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was many years. In various businesses, really, but most of them entailing a lot of traveling around Ireland. So I knew Ireland very, very well. And uh, my entrance, if you like, into the business I'm now in, which is the touring business and the chauffeur drive touring business, it it was really something that happened uh, not really through a pre-planned thing at all. It was due to a series of little coincidences if you like <laughs> uh, my wife and I were in the uh, accommodation business in Galway City and uh, I had a son still have a son in Chicago and uh, he knew that we were uh, getting out of the accommodation business and he thought that well dad a little hobby might that might be good for you would be I have uh, taken up a part-time job in Chicago, driving uh, people out to the airport, etc., mm-hmm. for a limo company, and uh, I get a lot of people asking me about uh, do th- do I know anybody in Ireland who might be able to collect them at the airport when they get there, <laughs> wherever. So uh, I thought, well, maybe I'll look into that. I had a nice Mercedes at the time, and uh, you know, I'm an adventurous type. So I thought, okay, I'll look into this. And I did. And uh, as a result of that, I had some literature printed, left it in various hotels in Galway, got a call 
Brahma, a gentleman, a man by the name of uh, Paul Wartman, a professor in Stony Brook State University, New York State. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wanted, he and his wife Camille wanted me to take them uh, down to a, a castle near Gort, uh, which was associated with W.B. Yeats. They just wanted to, to visit that place. Mm. Suggested that they might make a day out of it and we'd go to the Berlin and the Cliffs of Moher. They thought that was a great idea. Later in the day, coming back to Galway, uh, Camille said, um, you know, she said to me, it's a pity we didn't know about you before we planned our holiday and we could have had you to take us around. <laughs> and uh, she, I said, uh, well, I'm here. You can still ask me. <laughs> she, Would you come with us? I said, yeah, I'd love to. So that took me off on an adventure with them for the guts of a week, which yeah. was really nice. They were a lovely couple, both professors of psychology. And um, they really enjoyed it. They went back. Uh, Paul himself then felt that maybe many people in America wouldn't be aware of that type of a tour because mm. when they were planning theirs, they thought the only way to do it was either go by bus tour or else uh, hire a car. They didn't want to do either. He didn't want to drive here, like many Americans, uh, uh, with very, very good reason. And um, so they were only delighted to get me, and he thought maybe many other people in America might not might uh, want to know about this type of service. He wrote at the New York Times, uh, naming my service, etc. And lo and behold, the New York Times put it into their travel section. <laughs> and I wouldn't like to have been paying for that, to be quite honest. <laughs> paid boost. Uh, and uh, indeed, it led to a lot of uh, business. It changed my outlook on the whole business. I then, instead of just thinking about uh, collecting people at airports and stuff like that and the corporate kind of stuff, I suddenly felt, yeah, maybe I can do this complete touring uh, stuff. Lovely. And Dave, I think you you do enjoy having a bit of crack, a bit of fun with your oh, guests, don't you? I love people who come here to have fun, to have a good time. <laughs> and the vast majority of, of Americans are, are just here for exactly that. They love the whole Irish thing, you know, mm. and, and rightly so, because, you know, uh, they can... They can approach anybody in Ireland and stop and talk to them, and they'll get them. You know, they'll they'll be very they get a very friendly uh, response. You know, people in Ireland are very open to that, uh, and uh, long may that last. You know, you can go into a public sit up at the counter and start talking to the person beside you, and you think they knew you all your life. Next yeah, after right. a pint, yeah, yeah. But Dave, bring us back a bit. Um, you said you grew up in Galway City, is that right? What kind of yes. upbringing did you have? What kind of school did you go to? I was born and reared in Salt Hill, which is the seaside end of Galway City. Very, very beautiful. Galway is, is a, just a wonderful city. Mm. Full, of life, full of great young persons town. University city, um, many colleges, uh, thousands of students. Great life at night, great pubs, great restaurants, beautiful setting, great history in Galway too. Mm. I was born virtually on the promenade in Salt Hill in Galway. Uh, my mother was a countrywoman, born only about 15 miles outside Galway. She was a native Irish speaker. My mm. dad was a man, and 
he had no Irish, virtually no Irish. Uh, his his favorite line, Irish line, was if anybody asked him, did he know Irish? His favorite line was, "Tashe cut." He's the cat. You know, he, he'd laugh at that. But that was the the, the total amount of Irish he had. But uh, I was sent to an Irish school. Actually, it was quite funny because my older sister Miriam was was six years of age. Wouldn't go to school, kicked up a lot of fuss about it. So at four years of age, they sent me along with her. Hmm. Uh, the The objective being that she would look after me when we got to school. So she went on those conditions. And uh, when we got into class, this was an all Irish speaking school, Scalorsa in Galway City. Great little school and uh, very fond memories of Scalorsa. And it's still going strong. Excellent. But, mm. The first day we were put into the same class, which was babies. And then we were sitting there for a little while and somebody came in and they took Miriam out to a course, a different higher class. And I was left there. And I'll always remember, oh, I think I think it had a bad effect on me for the rest of my life. On How was that? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I survived fine. And that, that particular teacher in that class, uh, Banny Byrne, she was a lovely woman and a wonderful, my nicest teacher ever. So that was my beginning, but Scalorsa gave me a great grounding for my Irish. And uh, still, Owen, I would still do my multiplications, mental multiplication in Irish. You know? <laughs> do you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, my tables are still in Irish. Now, but since I left school at um, 17 years of age, mm. I have not really practiced my Irish enough at all. And uh, I would be, you know, that would be a, something I would not be happy about, to be quite honest. But I still have a bit all right, and I still watch the Irish TV programs and can understand them fine. I can understand people talking to me fine, but I get lost for the words when I try to respond to them. Hmm. Um, jumping back to Kinvara, Dave, uh, we were talking that there is a cuckoo fla. Yes. Kinvara. Oh, that sounded interesting. What is it? A cuckoo fla is the festival of the cuckoo, and it's to celebrate the arrival of the cuckoo, and therefore the arrival the arrival of summer. The cuckoo signals the arrival of the summer season. So they said in, in ancient times they would celebrate that when they saw that cuckoo, they knew the season, the summer season was in. Mm. Now the festival itself, uh, it starts on the Friday evening virtually here in Kinvara, and it runs through until well Tuesday morning when everybody leaves again. But it's a uh, there's great music. There's all types of events on. There was a 5K run yesterday, children, adults run as well. There was all kinds of things going on for charity. Great um, traditional music in the pubs. This morning, though, I'm taking part in, uh, I'm a member of the Ginvara Writers Group. Uh, we have a what we call a poet's breakfast in a pub in Ginvara. Lovely. And we, all of us members... And anybody else who wants to participate can do a reading. So you bring along something you've written and, and you read it out to the audience. Great oh, crowd. Lovely. Mm. It's very nice. It's great fun. Excellent. So that's my morning. 
Yeah. Dave, um, we were talking about uh, people who, who want to do a vacation in Ireland and there's pretty much the option of take a tour in the bus and or drive yourself and then there's your option um what what would you say to somebody who's um thinking of uh driving in ireland now i don't want to scare people off like i'm all for choose your own adventure like it kind of goes against my principles a bit to sit in a bus and be driven around so what do you think um for the person who has never driven on our side of the road before and they're um, planning to come off the plane in Shannon and uh, rent out a car. What, what's your opinion on, of that generally? Well, first of all, Owen, very much like yourself, I would not like to downgrade any type of, of a visit to Ireland. I think that, number one, I think for anybody who really wants to come here, you know, regardless of how much funds you have available, you know, Try and get here because, you know, it's so important to so many Irish Americans and indeed other people, too, mm-hmm. that want to see Ireland. Ireland, is, is, it's a very special place. So, number one, get yourself here, no matter no matter, no matter what route you choose. You know, bus tours, for me, I've done bus tours myself. I toured in Italy. I toured in, in Cyprus, um, the Caribbean also. And um, Lovely. I found uh, bus tours... Um, for me, they were nice, but a lot of those tours, if I had a private, private chauffeur, um, I think that to be able to be in a position where you, you have control of your own tour and you can leave certain things out and you can put other things in, there's flexibility to, to having your own driver. It's mm. more expensive on, mm. no doubt about that, but uh it's it's so so much more important even driving yourself if you feel like driving yourself lots of people will drive themselves uh it's not easy to drive on the opposite side of the road i'm a professional driver i've driven in the u.s and i didn't like it one little bit and i wasn't one little bit comfortable doing it mm-hmm. and uh as i say i am a qualified driver but uh it, it's even if you do succeed in doing it and you, you're, you remain safe and well. The driver doesn't have the same pleasure at all. The driver can't be looking at the scenery, can't be taking everything in like the passengers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's, there's also a lot of tension there amongst the passengers on the driver. You know, any little thing he does wrong, you can end up with a car full of backseat drivers. On mm. It's not easy. Um, I think that having somebody like me to take you around I know all the best places to visit. Mm. I see places in tour mag and uh, magazines, tourist magazines, and all of those sites. I see stuff on the internet, all of those kind of things. Places are recommended where I wouldn't take people. No, <laughs> I would ignore a lot of the stuff. I can bring people cover far, far more of the best places in the same length of time. Get you around. Never get lost or anything like that. Don't have to be worrying about set navs or maps, you know. <laughs> I also include all of their accommodation on if they if they want me to do that. Mm. Quality hotels. I don't go any other way but good quality. And I do all of that. The only thing people have to do if they come to me is uh, arrange their flight. I collect them at the airport. I do everything else with them and for them while they're here and get them back to the airport safe and well at the end, please God. 
Excellent. Uh, Dave, what would your uh, advice be for a budding driver who a lot of people fly into Shannon Airport, for example, in the west of Ireland, and it's about 7 a.m. You've spent the night on the plane, and yeah. I just feel wrecked after that kind of flight because I don't feel comfortable at all. But yeah, a lot of people will rent the car um, in at Shannon Airport. So yeah. my question to you is, would you recommend that that person goes off and, uh, for example, heads towards the cliffs of Moher that morning, or should they just kind of sleep in that day? What do you think? Well, there are there are options, but I think first of all, on all of the American flights seem to come in very very early in the morning, five thirty, six o'clock, you know, mm. very very early in the morning. And well, when they're getting out of, they should be out. Shannon is a beautiful little airport, you know. It's very compact, very easy to get in and out of. Mm. I would recommend if people want to take in uh, a tour in Ireland, uh, which includes Dublin. Maybe fly into Shannon and start your tour in Shannon and get your car in Shannon if that's what you're going to do or get your driver in Shannon mm. and start the first day then with a full day because, and I don't mean a full day running late into the night now. I mean, have a day where you kind of see out the jet lag on your first day. A lot of people say that if you, if you go to bed on your, sometime during the day that you don't feel good, you don't get rid of the jet lag as quick. Mm. That it's to stay awake on that first day and get to bed early in the evening then, that it's much, much better. So driving yourself, now, you know, I have never done it. I have never arrived anywhere at six o'clock in the morning and got a car and started driving. But I would imagine your concentration wouldn't be exactly brilliant. The only thing about that, starting at that hour of the morning in Ireland, the roads would not be very busy on. Mm, that's a good point. It's not a bad idea maybe to go somewhere like the Cliffs of Moher or else go straight to Galway City. Mm. It's about an hour and a half drive at the most from mm. Shannon. An hour and a quarter, you know, even when you don't know the roads well. And it's a good road all the way to Galway City. And maybe spend the first day around the, the city and having a look at Galway City. Out of Galway City then, you can maybe take in Connemara, which is uh, the quiet man country, as I like to call it, uh, where the, the, that great movie, The Quiet Man, was filmed. Uh, you could spend the, the second day there, maybe take in the cliffs of Moher and the Burren, then, which is south of Galway and County Clare, the next day. And, you know, get your first few days like that. But And finish up in Dublin. You can fly into Shannon, maybe fly out of Dublin. Mm. I would like to add, uh, oh, well, I remember it. If, if anybody wants to contact me, just for a little bit of help and a little bit of guidance. They don't mm -hmm. have to be going to tour. If I can help them, I'll help them. Excellent. Well, we'll give a link at the end, Dave, as well. Yeah. To okay. your blog, which is excellent. With uh, You post photos um, of some of your tours with your guests. That's lovely. So, Dave, let's say um, somebody were, you were going to drive somebody around and they have a, a Saturday to Saturday, so just about a week uh, yeah. in Ireland. How much of the country could they see? Like, where would the top places be that you would like them to see? So you mentioned Galway City and Connemara and the Cliffs of Moher. Would you go further? Yes, Owen. I think that, you see, I think about an eight-day tour plus a day coming, a day going back. So 10 days, I think you can really, really have a nice tour. Now, I'm born and reared in, in the west of Ireland, Owen. Cahar uh, Mm. Over in the throat, and uh, 
I love the west of Ireland. I love the western region. And I find an awful lot of people, an awful lot of Irish Americans would have their their ancestry in those areas all along the western seaboard because that was the area where the famine hit worst. And, and the, so many people left from all of those regions. And we have so many Irish Americans over there with the connections of those areas. So I get a lot of people coming to me who want to see the western regions. They also want to see Dublin. Uh, maybe as well, you know. So if they come into Shannon, uh, I would always try to include areas like Connemara, I mentioned, the Burren and the Cliffs of Moher, down to Kerry. The Ring of Kerry is famous, Owen. The Dingle mm-hmm. Peninsula is famous. The Beira Peninsula is famous. These are all peninsulas jutting out into the Atlantic and from counties Kerry and County Cork. Uh, great regions, wonderful people, great humor down there, but magnificent scenery. The Gap of Dunlow is spectacular. Down south, the Blarney Castle, Kinsale, where the the the, the last great battle was fought between the, the English and the Irish, a disaster for the Irish, where terrible massacre and um, really finished us off on, the, on that particular scene, you know, but uh, that's a great little town to visit, known as the gourmet capital of Ireland. Beautiful. Then County Cork, Cove is fantastic. That's the port uh, where the vast majority of Irish emigrants left from. Uh, the great Atlantic liners and all, all used to come into Cove. Uh, most famous being the Titanic, uh, the Titanic's last stop off point before she set sail on her final fatal voyage mm. uh, where the last few people who got on in uh, Cove were Irish people. Uh, she had sailed originally from Southampton, I think, and stopped off in Cove and went on from there. But uh, the Lusitania also was torpedoed about 20 miles out from from uh, Kinsale. Mm. Many of the bodies were brought into Kinsale and uh, a lot of them are actually buried there. Mm. So um, all of that region, all, and then bring them back to Dublin and they can spend the final couple of days in Dublin on their own. You know, they don't need a chauffeur in Dublin. Oh, so that yeah. makes a lovely tour. I don't want to downgrade any other areas in Ireland. And if somebody has their ancestry in Donegal or, <laughs> or Sligo or anywhere, that's all mapped in. I, I, I tailor a tour to my place. Excellent, yeah, I like it. And Dave, we were talking um, the other day about Connemara. Um, yeah. There's just a certain atmosphere uh, you feel when you drive out past Galway and along that coastal road um, into Anspidil and out beyond. Like, yeah. what is it that makes Connemara so special? I suppose for me, on it would be the people. Undoubtedly, the, you know, the scenery and everything's magnificent, but the people, first of all, uh, you know, knowing their history, knowing the terrible tragedy, the terrible hardship, how those people came to be there, driven off the best land in Ireland by Cromwell, you know, to hell or to Connacht was, was Cromwell's battle cry, driven them all out into the West, having nothing, you know, leaving wonderful, wonderful farmland behind them out into this barren region mountains, rocky mountains, where you, the only thing you grow is heather and herbs and all of that. The only thing that has survived there were the deer and the, the sheep, mountain sheep, you know. Um, lakes then, but these were regions that they 
how they survived there at all. Owen. You, you've seen Connemara yourself. How they survived there at all was just amazing. Did they had to see. They had lakes. Maybe they fished a bit. They ate the. I have a pal in Connemara. He's an elderly man now, and he he told me you know this man is in is maybe tipping up on the eighty mark now. Mm-hmm. He he was telling me how as a kid that even at times in the winter they'd eat snow just to have something in their tummy, you know. Oh. The hardship they suffered, and you know the way they hung on to their their faith and the way they hung on to their Irish language. They were all wonderful Gael Gores, you know. That mm. Connemara Irish would be my favourite Irish. The Irish I learned at school, you know. Love mm. the loss of the Connemara Irish, but those people are wonderful people, and they. You know, they still today, if you visit their homes or anything, and even when they had very little, if you visited their homes, they looked after you. They'd always give you something to eat. You know? Yeah. And Dave, do you think before the time of Cromwell, um, do you think there was much settlement out there at all? There would be a certain amount because, you know, I suppose the remote areas in Ireland, people, people always went even to the remote areas, because maybe they were running from something. They felt they were safer in those areas, maybe. Mm. Maybe when there was less people in those areas, there was more available for them to survive on, mm. you know? Um, it's, it's hard to say, but the population out there after Cromwell's time, there was a huge population in all of those areas. You know, in your own area, in County Clare, there was mm. a lot of people in those areas as well, you know? And, and bearing in mind that all of those Western regions were, were uh, they were only after coming through the Ice Age. The Ice Age finally ended 13,000, 14,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when the ice melted, there was nobody in those regions. No. Nope. Those regions were covered in rubble and all, which had been dragged along under the ice mass. And when the ice melted, it was all just left in there. And you can see all of that through those regions, all these huge boulders sitting up in the middle of nowhere, evidence of Ice Age. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It is amazing, yeah. But that's the land destroyed, you know, and how how you see all the stone walls in the west of Ireland, these beautiful stone walls with no mortar in them, still standing hundreds of years, these stone walls. Uh, The the countryside from the air as you come into Shannon, it looks like patchwork quilts. Beautiful, you know? Mm. There's a story told about um, a woman asking kids on the Iron Islands, how come they had so many stone walls? And one child said, it's because we have so many fields. <laughs> I love that story. Yeah. And I, I love it out on the Iron Islands and uh, towards that part of uh, Connemara too on the mainland. But yeah, the, the fields are so small. And yeah, there is there a lot of walls. huh? Uh, when I was a kid, I used to go to the Iron Islands on holidays. So we had a, a a cousin out there. He was the the local curate on the island. Mm-hmm. We used to go out and spend summer holidays there with him. He was a lovely man, and we had a wonderful time. And at that particular time, he had the only motorized vehicle on the Iron Islands, which was an old BSA Bantam motorbike. <laughs> And he used to bring two or three of us on that with him when he was going around to the various churches out there uh, on his duties. But it, it, it was a wonderful experience. And in those days, the only roads on the island were like little laneways, boreens, as we call them on, you know that, uh, with a, a green strip of grass down the middle and a green strip either side and two worn tracks 
either side of the center from the cartwheels, you know. Yeah, and do you know what? On Inish Moor, so for listeners, that's the largest of the Aran Islands. Now, the main road there, you know, it's as busy as any uh, main road for a village. There's cars going up and down. Yeah, they have a lot of cars now. They have a lot of little, the passenger vans for bringing tourists around. Yeah. The island is, what, uh, nine miles by three miles, I think. And it's uh, there's a fabulous fort there, Dune Angus, the mm. fort of Angus, another chieftain. They don't even know. They, they they really have no idea, no evidence who, as to who actually inhabited that fort originally. Wow. But it's up to the cliffs and it's quite spectacular. Wow, excellent. Dave, I have um, a, a final question for you, back to kind of practical advice for people yeah. who are visiting Ireland and, uh, you know, dinner time comes along every day. So yeah. wh- what kind of a good mixture would it be what should they go for? Like, is it the pub food? Is it the restaurants? I know everybody's different, so this is a very generic question, but what would you recommend in general? Well, let me say, first of all, food in Ireland is fabulous. I mm. think the food in Ireland is second to none. Uh, all our meats, for instance, you know, free-range everything, free-range beef, free-range lamb. Lamb is beautiful in Ireland to eat, you know, really, really good lamb, especially the mountain that lamb on. Mm. Uh, very, very succulent, very, very tasty, sweet uh, taste of it. Beef is terrific here, you know, great flavor of our beef. I found in America that the beef was more tender than the Irish beef, but the Irish beef, well, beef after all, meat is muscle, you know, and mm. our animals being free range animals, the muscles are used more, so therefore it would be slightly tougher. But, um, uh, like we don't have animals reared in pens or anything like that. Our animals are all out in the fields eating the, the, the lush grass, the yeah. green environment, and uh, beautiful stuff. Uh, fish, second to none. You know yourself in Ireland, and nowhere is far from the sea, so you're always going to get fresh fish. Great value in the pub zone. I think that, you know, great pub lunches and all of that. You, know, you can't really go far wrong, but... I know all the best places to eat. So when people are traveling with me, I recommend places. I never include their meals in their price. I let them do that themselves. I'll include their bed and breakfast, not their main meal, but I'll advise them. And that's it. You know, I advise them on the best places to shop and all too. But yes, Owen, I think that even a vegetarian, you know, you get a great selection of uh, my wife is a celiac, so this, we are really, really well on top of the celiac thing here. The gluten-free, there's gluten-free menus virtually everywhere now. And really, really good gluten awareness here. So you're safe with all of those type of allergy problems and all. Um, oh, also, plenty of pharmacies, plenty of doctors available. You know, and pub life is great too. Pubs at night and all too, but great variety of of everything all. Yeah, lovely. Well, can I say one mm-hmm, thing? About mm-hmm. the, the reason I, I was very, very, um, I suppose, very much, very favourable towards doing this on your program, mm-hmm. uh, language, and and uh, I I would commend you on what you're doing and helping people to learn the Irish language. It's a beautiful language. I'd hate to see it dying, but I don't think it will. I think people like yourself, uh, uh, the interest, many foreigners even, you know, we get people coming from places even like Russia to learn Irish, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's wonderful to preserve it, and it is a lovely language. 
And you know, everything about Ireland, everybody seems to love the Irish. You know, oh, we yeah. are we're a fun people, and I think even the Americans especially love love to hear us talk. Can I tell you a quick little one? Do I, I had reason to visit a, a, a particular man in uh, Bergman. What's a good man? Bergdorf, I think, in his store in New York. I, I was visiting him uh, for a friend who had a knitwear factory in Ireland. I went in to see him. He was a buyer. And uh, when I went in, oh, the first thing he got up, a fine big man, nice man. And he said, oh, Dave, I love your Irish accent. So there was a, a lady sitting in an office off his office, and obviously she was a co-worker, I think maybe his secretary. So he's, I forget her name, let's say Mary. He said, Mary, you've got to meet Dave. So Mary comes out anyway, and they're both standing in front of me in silence, you know. And I thought, what, what's happening here? And the next thing he said, say something, Dave. <laughs> they were just waiting to hear my accent. <laughs> I thought, that was that was a good one then. They do I, love the Irish accent. I, I hope uh, listeners who are listening to this that they they've enjoyed the bit of banter today uh, between us. And Dave, uh, you have um, a, a site for your uh, chauffeur-driven vacations. But I think yeah. the and that's Dove Chauffeur Drive. If yes. somebody wants to Google it, and I think the simplest way uh, to direct people towards you is your blog where you post some experiences too of your travels around Ireland and you share a bit of your wisdom about Ireland too. So how do people get you? What's the link to your blog? Well, my blog address would be just Google holidaysireland.blogspot. That's B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T, blogspot.com or .ie. That should bring me up. Excellent. And there you'll find my web address and any other information, my phone numbers, etc. if you want to contact me. And as I said already, Owen, if somebody just wants a little bit of advice, you know. Uh, one thing I will say before I finish is uh, I was talking to a woman the other day who had booked a holiday with uh, pals of hers, three other teachers. They were all teachers, and they were coming, but they'd already booked uh, a vacation through some company over there and it was a company that provided them with a plan and with a car and and everything, mm -hmm. everything including their flights and everything for a fixed price. I don't want to knock anybody in business really on, but the plan, uh, when I, when she told me what her plan was, quite honestly, on it was a disaster. And it was somebody, uh, some inexperienced person who had put that plan together for them. And quite honestly, um, it was too late for me to do anything for her. You know, she was committed already. Oh. But I did, I did help her, uh, I, I believe, quite a bit and told her that when she was here that she wants to contact me if we were having difficulty to get in touch with me. Oh, lovely. Dave, you're a wealth of knowledge and uh, I hope people, I hope listeners um, take you up on your offer for a bit of advice if they're traveling to Ireland. Yeah. And if you're considering, even if you've got um, kind of an initial question for Dave, you're kind of considering maybe that his service would be something that would be of interest. Well, definitely be in touch. Dave would be happy to hear from you. So, Dave, it was a real pleasure to speak with you today. Gormil Mahagut, thanks so much. August Gormil Mahagut, fresh and on August. Uh, it was lovely talking to you as well. And I hope that maybe. Um, 
I might spark a little more interest for people that tour with me in learning the Irish language and I can send them along to your side of the ah, fair play. Job. Yeah, and we can all do another little bit for Ireland because I believe that what I do helps our country in a small way maybe, but what you're doing is is uh, preserving a, what should be a treasured language to all. And good luck with your work. Ah, fair play. Thanks, Steve. Good mean, Mahagut. I appreciate it. Um, what what listeners can do, um, they should visit your site, and if they don't uh, find a, a link to your blog, what we'll do is we, as we always do, we'll put a, a link to you, Dave, um, on the show notes page. So mm-hmm. that's um bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast. And I have a few mm-hmm. people in mind already on that might be interested talk to you oh excellent send them on uh, i and i i'll um as i said when i'm traveling with people i certainly will do my little best job i might even sing them an irish song okay (laughs) we should have asked we should have asked for a song here today but sure what can uh, we do (laughs) oh i have uh they'd be able to find maybe a little bit of information about a cd i did for charity at one time on my blog so you might find that somewhere okay Excellent. Well, that will be on show notes page for episode 44 on our podcast uh, page. So if you're loving this show, the best you can do for us is to leave a written review on the iTunes store for the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. As I say, when you uh, comment, when you leave a review for the podcast, it tells iTunes that, you know, we've got fans, we've got thousands of listeners and it helps them uh, bump up our promotion for the podcast. What we want to do is reach more people who might be interested in traveling to Ireland and uh, to connect with their heritage uh, by learning to speak the Irish language. So if you've got a general listener question for us, you can send it in to Bite Size Irish Gaelic at the info at bitesizeirishgaelic.com. Thanks to Tsukumo for their music, uh, which you hear on this episode under a Creative Commons license. And until the next episode, Slán Gafoil. Bye for now. <laughs>